Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line. Hour number two, giving you the edge here on the grid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's my man, Kevin Walsh, as we bring you the fun and functional sports content. We're going to focus here on football in hour number two. We did a little bit of football in hour number one. But, you know, some news and notes that I saw um, over the weekend that I want to kind of bounce off of you. You know, um, we talk about these different quarterback rooms, right? And do the Patriots have a move up their sleeve? And and some of these quarterbacks where they're bringing in a second, the veteran, you know, we saw Flacco sign recently. You know, I'm intrigued by the Miami Dolphins quarterback room, Kevin. And, and you know, honestly, Josh Rosen can't get a break. You know, like he's drafted t- top 10 overall, then gets pushed to the side when the Cardinals go get Kyler Murray you know, number one overall. They go to Miami, and he's like, oh, maybe he could develop under Fitzpatrick. Let's take a flyer on him. No. Then the Dolphins are tanking for Tua. They get that kid, you know, think he's the, you know, the future. And again, Rosen pushed to the side. He has no real value there because Fitzpatrick is there as the veteran mentor. By all accounts, he's QB3. But remember, this is a first-round pick. You know, and we've talked about how many teams when we've been doing the roster reset, Kev, when we're like, who's their backup quarterback? And they literally don't have one. I mean, Rosen, in year one with Arizona, had no offensive line to speak of, had a first-year coach that was ultimately fired, never really got a shot. You know, I don't know. Are you at the point, Kev, where you can consider him already a bust? And if so, or if not, You know, there's reports now that the Dolphins are getting calls on what would be the price for Josh Rosen. Do you think he may move somewhere? Could he be a QB2 or a backup? Could he still be cultivated in this league? I think so. I think he should be. I mean, that Cardinals team, like, it was no secret, was a complete disaster. Like, like, horrible. I erased his his name from my memory who was the offensive coordinator that got fired halfway through right. because of the crimes that he committed against both Josh Rosen and David Johnson. <laughs> I think it was like, Wizen. Maybe. I can't remember, but whoever it was curses you for the disaster <laughs> that you put forth there. And that team was the worst team in the league. Yeah. And they bring in a new head coach. Now, I don't know how the general manager survives that. To me, crazy. But the fact that he was able to bring in a new head coach, new quarterback, yeah. And a year later, do the same exact thing. Like, Steve Klein has some absolute... Like, I think while getting a DUI, some pull in Arizona he has. Mm. But he does. And he's moved to Miami. And the one thing that I maintained about Miami is the same thing that I pretty much maintained, say, about Dwayne Haskins this year. Let him start. Let him start all of them. Don't worry about Kyle Allen unless there's an injury. Right. And... But who can't start Miami? No, no, no. But last year, oh, he could have. Okay. But they wanted to start with Fitz. Right. And then it got nasty. So then they went to Rosen, and it right. stayed nasty. And then by the end of the year, Brian Flores finds some footing and fits as the quarterback for those games, and they win. And obviously, like, I get it, right? And you could argue, would they have won games with Rosen? I don't know. But could they have actually gotten some bright spots out of Rosen to where they could have potentially moved him for more than a bag of potato chips? Like, they're probably going to have to? Yeah, probably. I mean, if you look at, like, the Dolphins beat the Bengals. Right? Like, they they beat the Colts with Brian Hoyer starting. Like, they weren't – like, I know that they won that Patriots game, and I think that that has somewhat clouded the eyes of, like, how impressive the end of the season was. Mm -hmm. But they were – like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't this, like, they were beating world beaters. Like, like, so I just think that there's there's something to be said about him just not actually being put in any type of, like, decent situation to where now, like – if you're any team that evaluated Josh Rosen and found yourself believing that he was a near first-round talent, you can probably now get him for a fifth, sixth-round selection. That's right. I don't know how you don't make that move. I'm telling you, and I'm thinking about, you know, we played the game, right, about these teams. We did it with Cam, right, yeah. the teams that would be an upgrade. And we identify teams that are legitimately in the quarterback market. Mm-hmm. This is a low-stakes flyer. 
You know, we've been talking about this, Kevin, the idea of, oh, uh, you know, Andy Dalton really pushes Dak Prescott or, you know, creates a threat, whereas someone like Mike Glennon necessarily did not. We know how you feel about, say, Nick Foles creating a threat in Chicago, Mariota and the level of threat he creates in Las Vegas. You know, we've had these conversations. To me... Josh Rosen is a very interesting piece. Now, I'm not saying he's going to all of a sudden develop and set the world on fire and be mm-hmm. a pro bowler, right? But I think he is a kind of guy you can bring in, not necessarily create that much of a threat or pressure on the incumbent, and yet it's viable that he could develop into something meaningful that could stick. So when I think about teams like New England, mm-hmm. when I think about teams like Jacksonville, you brought in Mike Glennon as that veteran presence, right? They could have brought in Josh Rosen to be kind of a backup, but also, hey, let's play this one out as soon as the mm. mustache kind of defecates the mattress, right? All right, let's see what this kid can do and, and as they try things out. I think it's a very interesting thing. I think Rosen I, will wind up somewhere where maybe he has a path to, you know, getting some reps. I think him not ending up in Jacksonville at this point is almost shocking. Telling, considering right? his No, because, well, the Jags are supposed to be the worst team in the league, so and that's just seemingly where he ends up. And then they just draft a new quarterback. Um, <laughs> that would be the Rosen right? MO at this point, right? Like, also, there's no way the Raiders wouldn't be better off, you know, sending out a fifth for Rosen instead of paying $17 million to Marcus Mariota. That's just a better quarter. The quarterback situation that they're in right now is not one that I, I'm personally a fan of, despite Marcus Mariota being one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. But I just don't, it's just such a weird mix that they've got there in Oakland. One team that's come to mind, and if you could pull up the Titans' backup quarterback, that would be great. Because I don't know who it is. The last time I saw their depth chart, I didn't see yeah. anyone behind Tannehill. Now, sometimes they, these guys don't update when they sign like a random backup, like the sure. of the Chase Daniel ilk. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. As, as of my last check, I don't see a QB two. I don't know that they have replaced the Mariota um, mm. in Tennessee. I'll double check, but I think you're right. That could be a place, right? Go get Rosen. Give me a fifth round pick, and let's call it a day. And for the Titans are a team, the Titans are a team that should make sure that they have a solid backup quarterback because they just made the decision to go all in on Tannehill. But also, you've got Derrick Henry on this franchise tag. You want to make the most out of this season. So if something were to go wrong. Denver's backup quarterback is Jeff Driscoll right now. What happens if Drew Locke goes left a little bit? You don't want an insurance policy? You know what I mean? So you're right. I think there's examples like that. Just to keep you uh, focused here, in Tennessee, they do not have, at this point in my last check, they do not have a QB2 on their roster yet. Now, maybe they know some other dominoes that are going to fall. They know, you know, uh, what, somebody will get cut or they're fishing in the pond of, like, Trevor Simeon Elk, who hasn't been signed yet either. But, you know, it, it is interesting. And I, he'll be on a roster, and he could be better than a QB3. Maybe he's a QB2 somewhere. I think he's a QB2 somewhere. And I think we're, and I, I think I can confidently say that because the reports that there are teams trying to trade for him make right. sense. This makes sense. Like, we play the game with, like, how many – situations are is cam better than the quarterback right right? and ultimately it's weird because of how the quarterback market works out but i think we'd find a lot of teams where rosen would make sense as qb2 whether that be as a project a safety valve a value play whatever it might be there's a lot of spots i think where rosen would make do i'm certainly i'm sure the dolphins are trying to maximize the value on it but you know also like be realistic you've not put yourselves in a situation to maximize rosen's value Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see um, kind of how much of an asset Josh Rosen really is. But I think it speaks to the fact that, listen, there are still dudes out there, okay? Mm -hmm. The kind of free agent and off-season maneuvering does not finish with just the draft. We've seen big fish get reeled in, and we've also, you know, seen some movement here. There are players still out there. One player who is entrenched in his new spot is the new quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks, Kevin, and it's obviously Ooh. Tom Brady. And we didn't touch on it, but, you know, over the weekend, they had that charity match, right, the golf match, Tiger Woods yeah. and Tom Brady against Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning. First of all, I got to give him kudos. It was a thunderstorm, bro, mm. and they kept on going through it. They were not looking like they were having fun, but they did raise almost $20 million for charity to benefit COVID-19. A great, great effort. But I don't know if you saw it, but the shot of the match and the player of the match had to be Tom Brady, okay? Because (laughs) he was, yo, 
he was dog poo in the first like six or seven holes to the point where people were hitting him up on Twitter. J.J. Watt, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Mahomes, everybody throwing some shade. But then he hits an incredible shot, the shot of the match, okay, from the fairway about 130 yards away. We see it on the screen now, and then he drills it mm-hmm. in the cup. All right. Um, literally, though, directly after Charles Barkley talking smack to him, being like, yo, I want a piece of you. I can beat you out there on the golf course. We'll throw 50000 to the charity event if you can even get it on the green, if you can even get par. And then Tom Brady responds by jarring it from about 130 away. I thought this was the highlight of the match, quote-unquote. Peyton mm-hmm. and Tiger eventually win, but what a shot out of Tom Brady. And what it really was, to be honest, was the competitive spirit. You saw mm-hmm. how he didn't like the fact that he was going left early on in the match, and then, bam, was he ready to talk some smack to Charles Barkley, Brooks Kepka, Peyton Manning, anybody who would listen. And, you know, it was interesting to see the competitive spirit in all four of these guys, even though it was just for charity. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like, they are all crazy competitors. I personally, like, I found uh, Phil to be hilarious, like, on a couple occasions, like, just, like, just talking crap driving, he's like, yeah, this is what we do, we hit bombs, like, he was was just, like, he was cracking me up, man, Peyton, like, name-dropped the man himself, Nick Foles, had a potential caddy option. Were asking, he was asking who should be his caddy to kind of mess with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And the three examples he came up with were Eli Manning, Nick Foles, if you could see the thread there, and then Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was absolutely hysterical. Phil Mickelson was funny. At one point, Phil asked Tiger, hey, can you mark the ball up there? I might hit your ball. And Tiger was like, oh, maybe I should use one of my gold medals to mark it. (laughs) So, you know, the idea of what these guys were doing, talking smack, was definitely fun. Yeah. No, and it was one of those things where if if they open it up a little bit more, like more celebrities that are, they have like that friendly fire and they can compete and joke around like it. I think that there's a lot of good stuff that they could do with this moving forward. Like it's the type of event to me, Dane, that can really help bring people into the golf world a little bit. Um, You know, so I had, you know, some conversations with people saying like, Hey, if you're golf moving forward, like how are you not going mic'd up now? You know, the game much better than I do. Okay. Yeah. Maybe there's certain conversations that they need to be cautious with. um, But you know, it would be cool. But if not, like, I just think that the idea of the match, like, and I get it, like, this was charity, this was great. But, like, so one of the one of the conversations that was had online, which was, to me, a no-brainer, is getting Jordan out there. Sure. And now, obviously, you might... You Against might, Barkley. Yeah, like, and maybe you can bring them together because they don't need to fight just because Barkley very accurately acknowledged Jordan's not been a good general manager. I, but, but from what we saw from the documentary, right, Dane, all someone has to do is basically say that they would beat Jordan in a celebrity golf match and he would take it personal and then show up and win, right? Based on what we saw. That's exactly the way it would go down. That's exactly how it would go down. But a fun event. And of course, you know, millions were raised for a good cause. So absolutely. But we turn our attention to the Tampa Bay Bucks with the rest of the show because that is our way too early line roster reset. The spotlight shines on TB12 in Tampa. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. We are about to give you all the edges to be had on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dane and Kevin. And, And, you know, Kevin... There's probably been no more talked about team in this offseason than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? If you think about the, um, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, dramatic shifts in the NFL in the offseason, clearly the Buccaneers are one because, you know, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, the dude who can hit a seven iron and jar it from about 130 away, um, apparently when being taunted, um, Mm. was the biggest move in the offseason, right? in terms of anywhere in the NFL. But I think about it also. They franchise Shaq Barrett, 
the league's leading sacker of last year. You know, they let Brashard Perryman go, but that's because they have, you know, the dynamic duo at wide receiver in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then, listen, they got Rob Gronkowski now as a new tight end. A lot of changes in the Tampa Bay roster, and that doesn't even count the draft where we know they got one of the offensive linemen that we like, Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety, who, by the way, second-generation guy out of Minnesota. It looks like the Bucs were, you know, scouting the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They also get Tyler Johnson, a wideout, who I think, you know, maybe can fill that number three spot that Brashad Perryman vacated. Uh, and we've also talked about Keyshawn Vaughn in our rookie running back rank. So mm -hmm. it sounds like Tampa has done a lot um, since, you know, last we saw them with Jameis Winston throwing a pick six to end their season. Yeah, it was an A-plus offseason. It was an A-plus okay. draft. I mean, they did... They did everything that you could you could want that team to do. If you're going to move on from Jameis Winston, who is a very high ceiling, low floor type of talent, yeah. you know it's got to be for the right guy. Like to me, Cam Newton, you could argue maybe is better than Tom Brady. Maybe you could make that argument based on Brady's performance. But that's Let's not what these Bucks needed. It's got exactly the point, Dane. It's it, yep. they Tom Brady was the right guy for this job to come in and add this type of leadership but also cut back on the interceptions is the biggest thing and brady is going to be able to come in and, and do both of those and i still believe he has at the minimum average quarterback play in him but right. i think that with the talent around him i mean it is almost unfathomable yeah. the group that he is going from in terms of pass catchers to now that he is walking into here in uh tampa bay you could talk about a coaching difference listen nobody will argue that Bruce Arians is better than Bill Belichick. But Bruce Arians is still a damn good coach, and I like that a lot. I like a lot of things that they've got here in Tampa Bay, and specifically to the draft, man. No team benefited more from the tackles not flying off the board, as was expected as we got closer to the draft, right? Like, we thought there was a world that they were might be going four, five, six, and, right. like, eight. Like, there was a world that they, they would miss out, right, on. in essence, of the um, one of the big yeah. four. There would have been nothing that they really would have been able to do about it in terms of trading up because they would have been trading up with tackle-needy teams. Right. They did the move. They just went from 14 to 13 to make sure that they locked in Wirfs. It was a great selection. You mentioned a number of guys there back end, rookies that can come in and contribute. The Minnesota duo, one on offense, one on defense, yeah. both really, really nice picks. And Keyshawn Vaughn is one of those guys that a lot of people are excited about when it comes to this backfield. And uh, whether it's – you know, Keyshawn Vaughn or Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber, they add Devonta Freeman at some point, whatever, I don't care. They're going to get enough out of this running back room because it's also a solid offensive line that they have here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you talk about kind of having the better pass catchers for Tom Brady, right, that's undisputed. OK, um, the other sides of it, maybe what he's losing, maybe it's in the offensive line. A little bit, but then the Tampa addressed that need with Worfs and others. You know, maybe it's in familiarity of the scheme, but it seems like him and Bruce Arians have been on the same page on what this offense will look like. And then, you know, I'm very interested to see what Todd Bowles does on the defensive side of the ball here. You know, they were improving. Shaq Barrett leading the league in sacks. They bring in Winfield. I'm very intrigued to see, you know, what Todd Bowles does here. And the point you made about Tom Brady, I hope this isn't sacrilege, but in essence, all they need, Kev, is for Tom Brady to be kind of an elite-level game manager. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a dirty word when we're talking about the greatest of all time, but I keep going back to this. The Tampa Bay Bucks, remember, Jameis threw 30 picks last year. The Tampa Bay Bucks went 7-9, and nine, yeah. Kevin. In those nine losses, okay, mm -hmm. seven of them, were by a touchdown or less. In those seven one-score losses, in those seven games, Kevin, Jameis Winston threw 18 interceptions. That's so many okay? interceptions. That is over two per game in games that ultimately the Bucks lost by less than a score. If Tom Brady, as a game manager, over, instead of over two interceptions in those games, throws under one, guess what? That's three wins right there, in my opinion, right? Um, and then you talk about how they got better. This could be a playoff team, so let's look, because a lot of people are buying into the hype of Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, going down and, you know, 
changing the fortunes of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Right now, Kevin, the Tampa Bay Bucks win total stands at nine and a half. Heavy juice, minus 130 to the over. So they'd have to win 10 games for you to get that. Laying mm -hmm. minus 130. The yes for them to be one of the seven teams that qualify for the playoffs in Tampa is minus 250 or minus 230 in that range. Okay, so heavy juice to the over. We talked about it yesterday. They are the second choice to win the NFC South. We covered the Saints yesterday. The Saints, if you remember, were like minus 110 or right right around there. I'll bring it up again. They were minus 110. The Bucks as the second choice are plus 160. They're the second choice in the division. They're the third choice in the conference at 7-1. to one. And then if you go all the way up to the winning the Lombardi Trophy, they're the fifth choice, Kevin, at 15-1. to one. So as we always lay out, right, the win total, the playoffs, the division, and then, you know, we fish in the championship ponds, if mm -hmm. relevant. How are you choosing to skin the cat in the futures market of the Tampa Bay Bucks? I can bring up other things if you'd like, but... Um, you know, for the team kind of totals and the yeah. team fortunes, what do you think is the best possible? Yeah, I, I think some of the, the award stuff is interesting. We'll get to that. But everything that you just laid out there, yeah. there's something about the numbers that sounds slightly off to me. What's and that? I might be wrong here. But that 9.5 doesn't sound very high. But yeah. all of their other spots sound super high. Right. Like third in the conference, well, fifth in the league. There's juice for them to get over 9. Minus okay, so the books think they win ten games. The books think they win ten games. Yeah. The question is, what seed does that get you in the NFC? Right. Like, yeah. and we'll figure that out because as we go team by team, we're going to ultimately get to all thirty-two. We'll have you know Kevin's seven top seven. You know, um, yeah. but I think that's what it is. Is ten and six not, you know, good enough to potentially win a division? Potentially be a three seed, something like that. Yeah, I, th I think to me. I like that 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 over nine and a half quite. Okay, I think there's a world that they even with the minus one thirty juice. Yeah, that's not that bad to me. Minus one thirty is is not is not all that bad to me at all. Um, I think the minus two fifty playoffs is a lot, and while I feel secure in them making the postseason, I don't. It doesn't sound like it's a ton of value kind of on that play, where. The conversation around this team winning the Super Bowl gets really interesting to me, Dan, and I'm excited to go through their schedule. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I might be relatively high on this Bucks team because to me, like, Tom Brady is going to come in and be just what this team needs, and the, uh, and the weapons there I love. On the defensive side of the football, Todd Bowles is great, man. This sure. team was fifth. As a DC, yeah. They were fifth in defensive DVOA. Fifth. Think about that. Like, the idea around that defense was not a powerhouse. If you were looking on it from the outside, it's because James was throwing touchdowns to the other team and constantly putting them in scoring position all the time. There's like a thousand possessions a game when yeah. you play with Jameis Winston. Like, that's just what the that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. So, I really, really do like this nine and a half. The Super Bowl to me is something that's in reach. I am trying to balance out this, though, idea, Dane, of them potentially hosting the Super Bowl. Right. And what to do with that kind of concept. Like, I like. Do you think that that'll mean that they, like, try harder in the NFC no, round? No, 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 no. It's that if they're, if they get to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Is there, they're favored, no matter who they're playing, right? I don't know. Not if they go 11 and 5 and they get there, they're at home, and in their way is 15 and 1 Patrick Mahomes to try and repeat. No, I think the Chiefs would be favored in that scenario. By what, two? Yeah. I mean, I understand, and you're right. The idea that the potential of a, a team hosting the Super Bowl is something we've never seen before. I yeah. get it. And in that scenario, sure, they'd probably be. Favorite. But remember, the Super Bowl is really kind of like a neutral site game. It's not like their home fans would be there. Who knows if any fans would be there, right? Oh, and the what? media attention is... It's its not like a home game. I get what you're saying, but no, I'm not going to have that add to my capping necessarily. I, I hear you. I just... I think it's one of those... Like, the reason why, to me, I think it's a part of it is if you make the bet on them to win the Super Bowl, yeah, a part of that is get a home game if they they're get hosting there, right? the Super Bowl. Like I'm just like it. It, it is yeah. in essence a part of of the totality of that. 
Like, if you bet them to win the conference, okay, yeah. you're then saying they're going to play the home game of the Super Bowl. Right. I guess maybe that's the better way to put it, is if you're going to bet them to win the conference, you might as well bet them to win the Super Bowl because it's a bigger price, they're hosting the game, and you and you can just hedge off of it right there if you're someone who likes to hedge off of bets. All right, fair enough. We're going to go game by game. We're going to figure out some diamonds and fugazis for the Tampa Bay Bucks. But I want to tease you with a couple of other futures kinds of bets you can make around the Tampa Bay Bucks, okay? You're talking about Brady. Now, listen, if this all comes up roses, mm-hmm. I can see Brady in the MVP conversation. Yeah. He's going off right now at 18-1 to 1 to be the MVP, you know, kind of in that level. We've talked about it before. That's the kind of pond maybe you like to fish in. Brady is going off as the eighth choice for the MVP right behind Deshaun Watson, right in front of Aaron Rodgers. And then what about if this all comes up roses, Bruce Arians is 14 to one. Okay. To be coach of the year. And everybody loves BA. Okay. BA would be a sentimental kind of like a Drew Brees in my opinion, BA with the Kangol talking that Ebonics to everybody. He loves it. BA is the third choice. To win coach of the year behind at 14 to 1 behind only Belichick at 12 to 1 and McCarthy also at 12 to 1 in Dallas if they get it done. Could I interest you in Brady or BA for uh, a postseason award? So I think that these are correlated in that it could only be one. And it's where are they gonna put the lion's share? Over, of, right. <laughs> where are they gonna put the lion's share of the credit? I think it's Brady. I think that mm-hmm. if this team is 12 and 4, it's right. gonna be Brady. As much as Bruce plays a big role in it. It's this team has a lot of leftover pieces. If they add five extra wins, it's it's going to be very obvious to go. Oh, it's because Tom showed up. So I do think he has a chance to win the MVP. It's one of my favorite MVP bets. I'm not sure, but he is absolutely in the running for this award. All right, fair enough. Remember, Kevin had the Saints going 12 and four, I believe, yesterday. Let's see what we have for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and who does? In his opinion, win this division. Come on back. We'll find out here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line on Sports Grid, giving you the edge, trying to find the edge on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season, futures bets, superlative season awards, and giving you fantasy diamonds and fugazis at the same time. I'm excited tomorrow, uh, Kev, by the way, we finish out this division, and we're going to have a guest as well to talk a little bit more context on the Atlanta Falcons, so stay tuned for that definitely tomorrow to get the inside scoop, but... Listen, here's what we do. We go game by game on the Tampa Bay Bucks, And, you know, we're going to come out of the end of this with your seven seeds for the playoffs, with your AFC and NFC championship game. You know, I'll poke holes through them all, but we'll, we'll find <laughs> out. And I think it's interesting. We did the Saints yesterday, and yeah. you had them going 12-4, and four, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very intrigued by who wins this division, okay, because the Saints were minus 110. These Bucks are plus 160. So, yeah. you know, let's find some value here. We're going to go game by game. I'll tell you where the buy is in between. They get a late buy, Kevin. The buy is until week 13, one of the latest buys possible. And I'm going to also say, even without Tom Brady and all this, every single year, Kevin, there is one game where a big-time favorite goes into Tampa and defecates the mattress. In my mind, it's usually like the Seattle Seahawks. You know, when they go in, they always, you know... Uh. One team that goes into Tampa and completely underperforms. I don't know if we're going to need to, like, give them that one in this kind of game-by-game exercise, but let's see where they find that, where they land up. You ready, Kev? I am am excited. I just want to say to remember, the Saints found themselves 12-4, and but it was a very tightly kind of contested 12 and four, right? Like having to play the Eagles on the third day of a road trip. They had the Niners and the chiefs in very close proximity where they got to host both of those games that, you know, we had them splitting with Tampa Bay. I'm very excited to kind of compare the level of schedule that we get away with Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, and uh, one thing I do remember, when we talked about the Saints, you had them like 7-1 and one to start, and then the second half got dramatically harder. I'm sure. going to tell you afterwards when we look at this, I think there's reasons to believe that the Bucs schedule gets easier in the back half, mm -hmm. not only for the teams that they face, but the buildings that they will be in well, and kind of the, the latitude and longitude of those buildings that they'll be in. You know, we already had them splitting against the Saints, right? But kind of in the inverse, you had the yeah. road teams winning both games. So they start week one in the Superdome against the Saints, but you have them winning this game because uh, you thought the Saints don't perform well out the gate. We got to be consistent. Yep. So you have them winning week one, correct? Yes, and, and for anybody that maybe didn't hear us talk about it, uh, yesterday we broke down the Saints. The Saints were able to win uh, last year, week one, Barely. crazy contested game, skin of their teeth. It was Wasn't the first that like Lutz with a game-winning field goal potentially? Yep. Yeah, yeah, after they had completely blown it, blow, like blew it though, the first time they won on week one since 2013. They're just a bad week one team, so I'm going to roll with a team like the Bucks to come in and take advantage of it. All right, so you got them 1-0. Then they come home for their home opener. They see Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. Absolutely, home opener. Man, I hope there's fans because that'll be really cool to see. Okay, fair enough. So they're 2-0. and Then they go on the road. They go to Denver. Yeah, I I, I mean, and I, I gave it some some thought, man, because I do think that Denver is going to be a, a difficult, difficult they place to go. They at home, especially early in the season at altitude they when they're not really as ready just yet for that. This could be one where they defecate the mattress, but what say you? But I'm, I'm still rolling with Tampa. And I think it's worth noting for, for Denver, them getting to they host both the Saints and the Bucks in this division. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting spot for Denver. It's something – and true. I know I'm going off on a Denver thing. That's but, right. like, if Denver's able to take one of those games off either of those teams, right. they can completely decide this division. That's true because they could also – Broncos could go 2-0 and on the road in this division. This is an interesting one. This could be the one. Remember I say teams defecate the mattress all the time? Week four, they are home for the Chargers. It is a 1 o'clock Eastern start, early start, West Flying East. Do you, I, do you care about those kinds of things? Yes. The yes, 1 o'clock start, West to East, does that matter to you? I do. Okay. Um, the Seahawks apparently yeah. are – like they don't, they don't worry about it, which is incredible. The Raiders um, bang all the time. But yeah, the Raiders are awful at it. I think it matters. I think we're also starting to see that the inverse also though matters, like East Coast going West Coast. Especially in primetime late games. Yes, Especially absolutely. Sunday night, Monday night. It's even a worse record for yeah. the East Coast team flying because their body clock is too late. So you think they beat the Chargers here in week four? Yeah, I think it's a route. You got them 4-0. Oh. You got them 4-0. Oh, yeah. Then Sunday night football. Oh, Thursday night football. Excuse me. On the road to your Chicago Bears. I thought about it quite a bit, but I just don't think the Bears are a team that can beat the Bucs. All right. So this is your Thursday night road. On the road, Thursday night, short week. They still get it done to go 5-0. and oh. They come back home uh, for the Green Bay Packers. So this is, a, so this is a, a situation where I'm a little bit lucky that I've kind of done my homework here. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, Green Bay is off of a, off of their bye. But Tampa Bay up. is off of the mini bye. And Tampa Bay is home. This is one of the most difficult games out of the entire 256, in my opinion. Green Bay is out. coming off the bye. Like Green Bay off a full week's bye. Yep. Tampa Bay off of a mini bye. I am going with the Bucks. If it was off regular rest, I would give it a Green Bay off of their bye. Okay. But I heard a stat last year, Dane, that Aaron Rodgers' career wow. on the road is not as good as you would think. Really? I expect Tampa. It's like near 500. I heard, it was last year when they went to the Niners and Cam laid it on me. And it was and like you saw how bad they were in San Fran, and I'll never forget it now. I lean, I lean towards Tampa Bay. It is one of the most difficult games, in my opinion, on the 256. Okay, so I want to note here, you have the Bucks starting off at 6-0, and okay, team. right off the bat. And then, in an interesting quirk for me, the next three weeks in a row, they're on prime time. Wow. Okay, three weeks in a row with a road date at Las Vegas Sunday night, then a road date to the Giants Monday night, then home for the Saints. And we already know you say they're going to lose that one on, again, Sunday night. So I know you say they lose that Saints game at Vegas and at MetLife for the mm -hmm. Raiders and the Giants in prime time. They get through that? 
I'll give them the Giants game, but that Vegas game fits the bill of what we were just talking right. about. East going west in a primetime spot. I'll give Vegas what would be a, a massive win for them. First loss of the season at Vegas. Then they get the win against the Giants. Then you've already had them losing to the Saints, the road team losing both of those games in that uh, divisional matchup. They go on the road after that to Carolina to see the Panthers again for the second time this season. This is week 10 of the season. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to necessarily lose like grip of the rope here. They've now lost two of three. I expect them to get back. Uh, on the board here with the Panthers. All right, that puts them at 8-10. and 10. They come back home for another primetime game. This is Monday night. The Rams travel across country to see Tom Brady. But remember, this is that reverse travel for the body clock. Yeah, and uh, I think that this is a, a good spot here. Man, like uh, the Rams are a team that I'm going to be very friendly to at home and not very friendly on the road, I feel like. Uh, okay. So I like, the, uh, I like the pass in this spot. Uh, the oh, box at this spot. You there like you the go. Tom Brady team in this spot. They go. go to nine and two. I want to also, before we keep going, make the point about um, uh, that game they just had in Carolina. Sure. Okay. After that Carolina game, they only have two road trips the rest of the season. Mm. Both of them indoors. Okay. So they don't go outside. They are not outside uh, uh, until after their uh, their Monday night game against the Giants in New York. That's on November 2nd, okay? Then all they got to deal with is November 15th in the state of Carolina, right? And they don't go outside unless it's in the state of Florida again. But I digress. They are 9-2. and two. You're giving them the win at home against the Rams on Monday night. Mm -hmm. Then they stay at home. Kansas City comes to town. So here, so I will give that one to the Chiefs because if I'm okay. right, they're off of a Monday night game. Yes. As well as... They are looking ahead to a bye week. Correct. So that to me is kind of that their odd sandwich. The it's, an, it's, a, it's an odd sandwich spot where you're welcoming in maybe the best team in football. All right. So you have them at this point at nine and three for the stretch run after the bye. Uh, first thing is they stay home. They have now been home four weeks in a row. Right. Home week eleven for the Rams. Home week twelve for the Chiefs. Bye week thirteen. Home again week fourteen. A month at home. Okay, they got the Vikings coming to town. Good spot for them. Off yeah. a bye. Yeah, give them oh. the win. Yep. All right, that's them 10 and 3. Now remember, they hadn't gone on the road since week 10, November 15th. Their next time on the road, but it's indoors, short trip to Atlanta, December 20th. They were on the road November 15th. It's now December 20th. The next time they leave Raymond James, they go on the road. It's still indoors to the Georgia Dome to see Atlanta. You have them only losing one road, one divisional game so far. Yeah, I just think that there's there's something to be said about this kind of team coming off a of week 13 bye. I think they're going to be very, very fresh. All right, I, I so think that you they're have them really going geared into up Atlanta. I do. Going into Atlanta and winning. Uh, then they go back-to-back -back road games. From Atlanta, they go to Detroit. Who knows what's going to be going on with Detroit at this point in time? Chase Daniel could be starting. Who knows, man? Um, you giving it I to Tampa? Can't. I'm giving it to Tampa. They finish the season back at home against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Two times in three weeks. Yeah, and that, like, see, that's the thing, right? It's that does That can favor Atlanta. But to me, with the way, like, I can't just predict this game doesn't matter and right. the fact that like this could be maybe for a one seed here the way you have bucks looks like it could be yeah i i have to lean towards the bucks in uh, in this spot once again all right so kevin this is the highest we've had a team okay mm -hmm. this is the highest we've had a team and we've done you know in these divisions we've talked about teams like the damn baltimore ravens yep. we talked about the colts that you like we've talked about the saints right mm -hmm. as well but you have the tampa bay buccaneers do you did you keep track you know what you got oh, them at? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, got him yeah. at 13 and three, Kevin. So now I look, that wins the division at plus 160, doesn't it? Nope. You had the Saints, I believe, at 12 and four. So I, I ask you over again, over nine and a half with the heavy juice, playoffs minus 230, mm -hmm. plus 160 to win the division at 13 and three. This may get you the one seed. It has you over the Saints. I, I imagine that we'll look at it when we do San Francisco. I imagine we maybe look at it when we do your Philadelphia Eagles, right? But I don't see many teams getting over 13-3. and three. Um, And then it may be the head-to-head, -head, right? Like, what do they do when they play the Saints? What does it matter what they play? Oh, I don't know, maybe Green Bay or Minnesota, mm -hmm. right? But um, now that you have them 13-3, and three, 
What's your futures bet, bro? And if they're 13 and three, you tell me Bruce Arians is not the coach of the year? I think Brady might just be the MVP then. I, that, that's, that's pretty much the thing to me. It's just kind of how you figure they kind of divvy up the credit. To me, this is why I like the over nine and a half. Because again, there's a lot of things that can go a number of different ways. Like I have them starting out a win in New Orleans. They can start out yeah. season 0 and 1. Absolutely. Like, that, that very easily could change. Yes. Spent a lot of time on that Green Bay game because Green Bay is off of a bye week, but yeah. they have that mini bye, and that's a big saving grace for them. Ultimately, Tampa Bay in this you know scenario has gone five and one in division. There's a lot of interesting spots for this Bucks team, but over nine and a half feels very, very safe. All right, Kevin is high on the Bucks. That means there's some diamonds to find. We do that as we tie a nice neat little bow of this episode of the early line. Come on right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line as down the stretch we go talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, Tampa Bay Downs is one of the racetracks that's still running. I bet the ponies a little bit over the weekend. But in any event, Kevin, we have this team going 13 and three. This is the highest record you yeah. have had of any team. And to be quite honest, we're about halfway through, right? We've done mm -hmm. the AFC and the NFC North. We've done the AFC and NFC South, save for just the Falcons tomorrow. So we're yeah. now halfway through the league. Okay, with the East and the West still to go. And you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the best record in the league. Look, it, it, it's one of those things where I know I didn't have a lot of spots where things go awry. Right. Right. We talked about it a little bit kind of during our commercial break here. Um, you know, at Denver could be a tough spot. You know, sweeping both the Panthers and the Falcons maybe is a bit unattainable. Yeah. And I have to say, like, this is a team that it, like, you might think, right, oh, he's got him going 13-3. He thinks that they're the best team in the league, this, that, and the third. Not necessarily. They're a team that I'm, that I, that I'm actually somewhat struggling on because of Brady. Because if Brady is good, I do think they're this 13-3 and juggernaut that has the chance to win a Super Bowl. Right. If he's average, then to me, they're like this 10-6 football right. team. If he's average, then what he is is the game manager that, like we said, cleans up a little bit of Jameis and still gets them like two or three more wins. Yeah, I think so. I think what a lot of it comes down to, though, is they have, I believe, a relatively favorable schedule. Like, right. let's not, like, they get to host the Chiefs when they come. They sure. get to host the Chargers when they come. Sure. Like, they are able to host the Packers. They host the Vikings. Like, they host a lot of their toughest games. Like, I, like that shouldn't be lost on people. Like, in this, I'm sure I had them probably, I had them only losing the one home game, right? To, right. Uh, or maybe I had them losing two home games. I gave the Chiefs again. Like, so it's, it's just, it's a, it's a very, yeah, very. When New Orleans came in, that was it. Because you had yeah. them do reverse. And I, had, but, and, I, and I had them losing to the Chiefs at home as well. Right. That was the only, right? yeah. But like yeah. it's just again, so that's kind of the thing to me with this with this team. You might think, oh, I'm gonna sit here and start betting them best record in the league and win the Super Bowl. To me, I just feel very good about a minus one thirty nine and a half over because even the low side to me, I feel like the the worst case scenario is like eight wins, and I'm still on the cusp. Sure. Where I, and I feel like the most likely scenario is about ten to eleven. All right, fair enough. So it seems like you think they're going to be strong. You like all the weapons they have. You think Brady could be the MVP. Tom Brady is going off in fantasy drafts as the 10th quarterback off the board. I like to wait on quarterback, okay? So if I don't get any of these big boys that have the rushing potential as well, and I'm sitting there and Brady is still on the board along with guys like Rodgers and Stafford and Wentz and Danny Dimes and Baker Mayfield, I'm continuing to wait. Mm -hmm. Brady's not going to be on any of my teams. Is he going to be on any of yours? You think he's got a shot to be the MVP. I, I mean, I do. I think and then part of that is narrative-driven. Part of that is the weaponry that he has around him. I guess the question I, I kind of ask you, is he almost in a a sweet spot of nah, right? Where it's like, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to exactly. do a top five guy. Right. I'm, I'm not either doing shoving this. all in and doing it early. Yeah. Or honestly, I'm going to tell you, and I, people think I'm, la I'm silly when I say this. If I'm in a 12-team league, mm -hmm. okay, I either am going to make the choice to, you know, get Patty, get Lamar, something like that. Right. High up. Or 
out of the 12 teams in that league, I am going to be the last one mm -hmm. to draft a quarterback. Think about it in a one quarterback league or whatever. If you literally allow all 11 teams to take a quarterback before you, and I just mentioned the names you will still have at your disposal. If you're comfortable on that, cool. And you're right. I do think Brady is in that range. I want to ask you about some of these other guys, because remember, we think this is a prolific offense mm. potential at the wideout position. We all know about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? And Godwin and Evans both were over 1,000 yards before they even got hurt last yeah. year, okay? They are both right now very close to each other, both going inside the top 10. Godwin is going as wide receiver six. Mike Evans going as wide receiver eight. And I'm going to wow. tell you the truth. The same way I used to do with the Rams wide receivers, I would take Cooper Cup. Why? Because it was the lowest of the value. It was the lowest one. I think Godwin got a ton of love last year. And I was on him last year when he was ascending. Okay, mm -hmm. I had him in the same area as like a Devontae Parker, as a Calvin Ridley, as a, you know, these young ascending wideouts, right? And he definitely, you know, worked. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I'm, I'm kind of going to go to the Mike Evans well. I think people are forgetting about how great Mike Evans is. Mm -hmm. um, and every, all the steam is on Godwin. Listen, I've said this. Mike Evans made Johnny Manziel look good, right? And so um, I like Evans a little bit better than Godwin, especially because I think all the love is going to go to odd, uh, Godwin. But they're going off as wide receivers six and eight. Are you going to have them on your rosters? So... I don't know, man. That's tough for me. Like, how often do we see a team put two top guys in the top It has not ten? happened a lot. It has not happened a lot, okay? Now, I think it, it might have really... happened last year with both of them, ironically enough. Yeah. But... Well, yeah. Evans and Godwin. And remember, they both missed games. But, you know, it is, it is few and far between, like Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know if they ever did it. We could be looking at, like, you know, Demarius Thomas and Manny Sanders, kind of, as the last time. Or Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Okay? It is not easy to have two guys like this at the wide receiver position. Okay, you can have something like Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey, but that's different. Both of them at the wide receiver position, you know, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. But Diggs didn't crack that top 10. You know, when I think about the true best wide receiver tandems in the NFL. Yeah, Tampa Bay is at the top of the list. So how are you playing it? Well, the problem is, I said I thought I thought that Evans would have been going higher than Godwin still. Now it's I, you know because of the love of uh, Godwin this year. Yeah, based on what Godwin did last year, right? I'm sure there's a ton of people saying Godwin's going to play the Julian Edelman role, and uh, I mean it, it's it's one of those scenarios though now where you're not. I don't know if you're getting value on either one of those guys realistically. Yeah. Right? Like, who's seven? Who's the guy that's that that is the sandwich? Uh, I will tell you in a second. And and the, the other piece that I think about this when you talk about the pieces of the pie, right? Uh, seven is Kenny Galladay. Um, just so you know, um, that goes D hop, then Godwin, then Galladay, then Evans at eight, then Cooper at nine. Um, but here's the other thing. Mm. Remember how, oh, the tight end wasn't used in this offense. Brady's going to find Gronk in the red zone. Yeah. Okay. And that is going to compromise some of the red zone production for both guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the familiar target that is Gronk. And mm -hmm. I think that might be just enough for me to go like Odell Beckham over one of these guys or go Hopkins or Cooper or Galladay over. This pie is split in a different way than it was last year when they both surpassed 1,000 yards. So sometimes, right, in fantasy football, you have to try and not get caught in this idea that you broke the system, right? Right. But last year, I've mentioned this team a number of times here, but it is a team that I ended up just, like, ended up kind of being amazed by. Like, what we were able to put together, uh, my buddy and I who ran the team, just, it was one of those scenarios where, like, you know, a lot of times you look at a championship team, you're like, oh, I didn't have this guy, this guy, this guy. Sure. I mean, it was just like 90% of the roster was drafted. And one of the things that we did, now we, you know, we benefit, of course, right from people being lower, but we add on a, a turn. We had the first pick, took Lamar and Russell Wilson on a turn. Now, Lamar should have gone significantly higher, obviously. Two quarterback then, league, I'm assuming. No, it wasn't. Superflex, no? No, not at all. Like, we just said, we'll take them and we'll play the matchups. Now, eventually, Russell Wilson was basically just on our team to not be on other teams. Obviously, Lamar was doing what Lamar was doing. But our idea was like, look, we're going to get two guys that we really trust. And we're just going to play the matchups. Because a lot of times, man, like we wait too long on quarterback and we have this whole situation where Stafford like and it's one of those scenarios where to right. me, 
because the pass catchers are so difficult to sift through, in my opinion, with this group, I think I'm going to try and pair Brady with another guy and play my matchups. So, you know when I use the term the fantasy herd, right? Yeah. Sometimes the right way to go about the fantasy herd is to grab the shepherd. Okay? The <laughs> I like that. Of it. Yeah. And that's what Tom Brady is because, listen, one week Gronk's going to catch two touchdowns. One week Mike Evans is going to go eight for 173. Yeah. One week Godwin's going to go seven for 142. You don't know what it is, but if you get the aggregate, the shepherd, it is Tom Brady. I'm going to give you my diamond in the rough here. Mm. We think these Tampa Bay Bucks are going to... You think they're going 13-3, and three, Kevin. <laughs> so they're going to be running out the clock a little bit more yeah. than they ever have been before. Okay? You also talked about Keyshawn Vaughn as the draft pick, running back to add to that room. But you and I have been both talking about him as a PPR pass-catching kind of back, right? Yeah. That means to me Ronald Jones has a ton of interesting work that he never had last year, okay? The goal line work, which really was seeded to Peyton Barber a lot last year. You also, if they're going to be winning, that's a lot more opportunity for the game flow for a guy like Ronald Jones. The fact to me that they did not go out and get a Carlos Hyde, a Devontae Freeman yet, a Lamar Miller, a Shady McCoy yet, that means to me that they have enough faith in Ronald Jones in his third year out of USC to kind of fill that role. Okay, with Vaughn as the uh, change of pace, PPR kind of guy, I think there's going to be more opportunity for Ronald Jones. And as our boy Chris Venture, the closer, would say, I think they should free Rojo this year mm. just because of the game script. And you talk about it also. When you got Evans, Godwin, Gronk, right, and you got Tom Brady at the controls, you ain't bringing down an eighth man into the box to stop Ronald Jones. And Ronald Jones right now, Kevin, is going as RB... 39. Okay, so to me, he's the lead dog of this committee, yeah. and I can get him outside the top 36, which yeah. is out in, like, flex territory? For me, Rojo, I think he takes a step forward in year three. For me, he's a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, I'm not positive exactly where Keyshawn Vaughn is going here, but the idea that you could get someone who can lead their team yeah. and carry. He's the first Tampa Bay back. But, like, if he's going to lead the team in carries... Keyshawn's like, right there as well. Yeah, like, you got to think that that Rojo has just absolutely ridiculous value. And we've seen Brady off. I don't know how they always do it, but they're always at, like, the two-yard line. Always. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and there's something to be said about that. So, yeah, I think it's a scenario here where we would have kind of expected, right, like, oh, look, look at all this added value. People think that the running back is going to be great in this offense. But because everybody just wanted them to draft someone, I think there was the, you know, this period. Like, I'll put it like this. Where would Todd Gurley be going if he did end up landing in Tampa Bay as it yeah. was reported that he might have? Probably higher. Top 15, you know, I'd say. Yeah, probably higher. I think that's a good point. And don't get it wrong. Like, you know, Freeman's still out there. Lamar Miller, Shady McCoy, still out there. They could still add, but as of this taping, that's the way I feel. Give me a Diamond or a Fugazi real quick as we wrap up here, Kev. Uh, I am going to go Diamond, Brady, Fugazi, the entire tight end group. I will not own any one of them. I'm not doing this. There's three of yeah. them. O.J. Howard might be the most talented. Gronk might be the one he trusts the most. And Brady is just always going to be there somehow, like, leading them in touchdowns stupidly. I'm not doing it. I'm not touching the tight ends. He'll be making America Brady again in some way, shape, or form. Rob Gronkowski going off as the 11th tight end right now. I hear you. Like, the potential could be 14 touchdowns this year. But... I don't know how it's going to shake out. Another episode in the books. We finish off the NFC South tomorrow with a guest in the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, for my man, Kevin, I'm the spitting statistician. This has been another edition of The Early Line. Hoping you get that cash. Come on back tomorrow. We'll be here. Hope you will be too. Have a great day. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.